Welcome to the Cattle Call Podcast. Today we are starting another quizzing, and I have here with me Brooke Latek. Hello, Brooke. How are you? Hi, Pedro. I'm great. How are you doing? Pretty good. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Great. And we also have Dr. Richard Zing. Hello, Dr. Zing. How are you? Hello, Pedro. Brooke. Good morning. Good morning. So, Brooke, what is the question that we have this month to ask Dr. Zing? So, this month our question is, what is the recommended forage inclusion rate uh, for feedlot diets? Well, <clears throat> Brooke, that is actually a very important question. It's a question that I often receive, and uh, it's actually a little bit controversial. There's a lot of factors involved in it. But the first thing we need to, and in the short time, because this could be a very long answer okay but in the yes we're going to give it we're going to give a short answer here okay so uh in the first uh at the very beginning what we need to understand is that forage is largely a functional feed we put forage in the diet not so much for its energy value but for its function and uh and in that context we should understand that saliva production is very very close very closely associated with dietary effective fiber. And because of this, the, the National Research Council uses uh, the PIT equation, which uh, estimates luminal pH based on uh, effective fiber inclusion rate in the diet. So basically, for every 1%, based on their generalized equation, for every 1% increase in uh, dietary effective fiber, you have a 0.04 uh, unit increase in luminal pH. So this is uh, this is the, the critical factor here involved in, in fiber. So we would put as much fiber in the diet as we could uh, to optimize luminal pH, but there's limits. And, uh, and this is what we've run into in the feedlot. And there's several reasons for the limits, but, but there are some practical considerations. First of all, the first and foremost is that maximum dry, dry matter intake for feedlot cattle averages around 1.9% of their average body weight during the feedlot period. 1.9% uh, dry matter intake as a function of average body weight during the feedlot period. That would be from the average from the initial weight to the, to the harvest weight. So if anything we do that would uh, reduce that dry matter intake is going to have potential impact uh, on the animal performance. And there's two factors involved in that. One of those is, that, is dietary energy density. So in feedlot cattle, as in, this would be just a generalization uh, for the majority of feedlot cattle, is that the minimum net energy for maintenance value of the finishing diet should not be less than 2.05 mcal per kilogram. When that level goes below that number, you're going to have a decrease in average daily gain. And this is going to be especially critical for cattle that have a high genetic potential for growth. So Diet energy density is going to be an important factor. Obviously, as we dilute the diet with forage, we have potential effect of um, hitting that, that bottom line number, that minimum value of 2.05. Now, as I say, the maximum dry matter intake is going to be affected by 
than the forage NDF level of the diet. And so uh, Galleon and, and his group, uh, they developed a generalized equation indicating that, that uh, for every 1% increase in forage NDF, this dry matter intake will decrease by about 0.0275%. It's easy to remember, it's just a simple, simple little equation. But so we can see that, that as we move up in forage NDF, then uh, we're going to have an impact on dry matter intake. And this is going to be especially critical for diets that may have lower energy density to start out with. So this gets to the, I think what most feedlot uh, people are concerned about, this gets to how much forage to put in the diet. So what we then would say, based on what I've just mentioned, what we would then say is that for diets that have a lower energy density to start out with, and basically we're talking about dry processed corn diet, uh, then we would we would want to have about a minimum of about four percent forage NDF, and for diets that have a high energy density, and these would be flake corn diets, which we'll say are the majority of diets. So for example, in in uh, feedlot diets in the United States, are going to be flake corn. Uh, we're going to want to have a minimum of seven percent forage NDF in the diet. Now, obviously. Uh, as we increase the amount of forage in, in, the, in a feedlot operation, especially a large feedlot operation, forage can become a bottleneck in diet and in, in production of feed because uh, the, the need to process the forage and including the forage and then delivering because of the change in bulk, bulkiness of the diet, delivering the feed then to uh, the pins of cattle. So, there's some practical considerations with that as well. But generally speaking, we can say that most feedlots under, they, in, in, because they're going to use flake corn, they usually do not have uh, what I would consider to be the recommended minimum level of forage NDF. Now, let me give you, a, here's an example. Uh, we have the, the cat-fed Holstein. Now, the Holstein has a great capacity to keep. And uh, their digestive tract is uh, slightly different than conventional cattle. And so we can feed up to 20% uh, forage in a cat-fed Holstein steers and actually have improved carcass-adjusted average daily gain. In other words, their average daily gain would be about 5% greater by uh, increasing the amount of forage in the diet. Now, Typically, typically forage is a very costly ingredient in the diet based on its low energy density. But with these very high corn prices that we're seeing, that may not be the case. And so it may be possible to uh, economically include greater amounts of forage in the diet and, uh, and actually result in improved performance for these long, long fed cattle. Now, the last thing that I want to mention in terms of uh, forage level is uh, the type of forage, let's say forage quality. And, and this quality matters. So while you may have forages that differ considerably in effective NDF, so we can use different levels of these types of forage, uh, some forages are simply very, very difficult to, for the animal to reduce uh, in particle size sufficiently for them to leave the rumen. 
An example of that would be Sudarkan Bhagat. His forage is, is very, very difficult for the animal based on chewing and rumination to reduce its particle size. And because of this very low uh, digestibility, then uh, rumen retention time can be very high. And so this can be a very serious problem affecting uh, performance of feedlot cattle. So we have to be careful understand the limitations of certain types of forages in terms of their impact on animal performance. And, and, I, and again, this impact increases. Again, this impact increases as energy density of the diet decreases. So if you're, if you're feeding a dry processed grain, the impact of forage quality starts to become extremely important. And uh, so this would be just uh, a quick Answer. Yeah, quick overview. No, I was trying to take some notes here, and I think we, we cover a lot of things, like from the effects of the, the fiber concentration and the ruminal pH, going to maximum intake, and talking a little bit about the effects on, on the energy density, and as well as the difference between dry processing versus uh, steam flake uh, corn. The challenge, and we've talked a lot about the challenge of having more forage in the diet in a large-scale yard and, and delivering that, that extra forage uh, on a daily basis. And was also important to, to see the, the long-fed cattle that we're talking because they have a greater potential of, of intake. We can increase uh, forage in the diet of those animals. But as I just mentioned, the... The cost is not always uh, appreciable, like feeding that extra forage. Right now, with the high price of corn, the, the situation may be a little different, but uh, we need to pencil that out because of the extra labor. I think we, and we, we finish a little bit with the quality, and I think we can have a whole other episode just to talk about the quality of, of forage. That will be very interesting as well. But I think you you covered pretty well, Dr. Zing. Uh, and again, you, you, we talk about some minimum inclusions, 4% uh, on dry processing, 7% on simflake uh, processing. Uh, and, but that, that always has the depends on, on economics as well. But I, I, I think that's, that's, that was great. And I don't know if Brooke has any final point or if you have any, any final comment. Nope, nothing for me. I just wanted to say, Again, that when I say four percent and seven percent, I'm talking about NDF. Okay, correct. Not yeah, forage. Four percent forage NDF. This is a big mistake. This is reason. I think this is one of the reasons why in the high plains and in other parts of the U.S. we have high acidosis and uh, and also very high incidence of liver abscess because they're feeding way too low on the forage level. It's not even logical to see that level except. To, to, to facilitate uh, feeding and, uh, and the lack of really uh, available forages in those regions. Yeah, that's that's a very good point you mentioned. That's not four percent forage; it's four percent forage uh, NDF. And 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 yeah, we've talked about the, the limitation of feeding that, especially in the high plains, that they sometimes they feed too too much less uh, forage than we do. Let's say like that. But that's that's pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, thank you once again, Dr. Zing. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to have another talk. Maybe we can have another one about the quality of the forage, talking about difference between hay and silage, but that's, that's for another, another episode. 
Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Brooke. Thank you, Dr. Zin. I appreciate your time. And I hope uh, you guys who are listening also enjoy this conversation as well. If you guys have questions, please send any questions to kettlecallucd at gmail.com. All of this information are going to be below in the description of this episode. Uh, sign up to our newsletter to receive all of this content in a transcription form. So thank you very much. And remember, it's always a good time for a kettle call. Thank you, Dr. Zin. Thank you, Brooke. 